Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Now let me just stop and set this context here. So notice the multitude, verse 1, pressed about him. Pressed about him. In other words, they want to get close. Why? Well, for one thing, uh, he doesn't have a microphone and a speaker, so they want to get close enough so they can hear well. But also, uh, he's a healer, and so miracles happen. So either they want a, a miracle to happen, or they want to see if any miracles happen and such. And so uh, they've heard so much about him, they want to get close. There are, people want front row seats. Well, what happens is when the crowd behind them and behind them and behind them keep pushing in, those people in the front end up pressing Right, right directly on Jesus. So it, it says, they pressed about him to hear the word of God, to hear the word of God, so that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, the, the Sea of Galilee has quite a number of names, Old Testament and New Testament, and this is one of them, the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So they were washing their nets because the fishermen had been out that night fishing, and now they've come to shore, and uh, they've cleaned up. Now they're washing their nets, but the boats are just sitting there about the place where he wants to teach. So notice this, verse 3. Then he got into one of the two boats, one of the boats, which was Simon's. Just so happens to be Simon Peter's boat, okay? So it was Simon's, and asked him, asked Simon, to put out a little from the land. Now, why is that? Well, this accomplishes two things. Number one, the crowd pressing against him. When you're, when you got the Sea of Galilee behind you, well, as they keep pressing you, you'll just keep getting pressed into the water as keep, the crowd keeps pushing toward you, right? Well, if you can get out on a little boat and push out a little way from the crowd, the crowd is not going to keep coming into the water. They're going to realize that they can't actually get to you because they see you on a boat. Okay, so that does one thing. It, it creates something of a barrier or a distance from the crowd so that they stop pressing him into the water. But second of all, when you're talking to a crowd, it calls them a multitude here. When you're talking to a crowd, water amplifies and so his voice banking off of the water would cause his uh, the sound of his voice to reach more people so people in the back can hear much more clearly off of the water than they could just off of the sand or the dirt uh, and the rocks that were around the Sea of Galilee, depending on exactly where he was. I've been to various parts of the Sea of Galilee, and that's what's there. Okay, so he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down in the boat and taught the multitudes from the boat. And this was very typical, very uh, hist very uh, much the way that it was done with people. And even today, people will sit down and teach. Now, of course, I stand and teach when I'm you know, on a platform in the pulpit, so to speak. But just like I'm doing right now, I'm sitting. This was custom, is they would sit down to teach. And so he sat down in the boat to teach. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, so he taught a lesson. 
but it didn't really give the lesson here. It says when he had stopped speaking, and here is what's so powerful. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. <laughs> well, what did the Bible say the fishermen were doing? They were washing their nets. Why? They'd been out fishing. Now they got them washed. Now they're putting them away and it's time to go home and get some sleep. They've been out fishing all night. So Jesus, he gets done with his message. Who, who knows how long his message was? It could have been 15, 20 minutes. It could have been longer. But nonetheless, he tells Simon, launch out, not just offshore a little bit. He said, into the deep, way out in the middle of the lake, so to speak. Launch out into the deep. And notice this, let down your nets for a catch. Now, I'm going to point out something that's interesting. There are different translations that have that word nets either translated, uh, well, nets or uh, in another case, I'll show you nets, net, okay? In fact, let me just clarify. In this particular verse, nets is consistent among all the translations. In other words, it's plural. Let down your nets for a catch. All translations will say that, that Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. But watch this. But Simon answered, verse 5, and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net, singular. Now, here is where translations vary. And I went and looked this up and discovered that it's not a translation issue. It's a Greek text issue. So the Greek text from which this version, the New King James, the King James, the Young's Literal, and likely others, are translated from, it has this word net written in Greek as singular. But in other modern translations that take from a different Greek text, in the Greek text, it's plural. So in other words, what I'm, my point is that the English translations, even though they vary, are accurate in that word because that's what the Greek text says. So there's a variation in the Greek text but the English translations actually all do a good job of translating it. Okay, here's why I think it's intended to be singular, that originally it was singular. I'm going to show you two or three reasons here. Watch. But here's what I believe. Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night. You can tell right there, he does not want to let down all the nets. Why? We, we've been out fishing all night. We're tired. We just got them all washed up from, you know, the debris from the lake and everything. And you're wanting me to throw them all back out again? Okay, so you can see just by his statement that likely he doesn't want to throw all the nets out again, if any. So he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So there's a change here, at least in this translation, what I believe was the original. And I'm showing you why. Jesus said, let all the nets down for a catch. And Simon said, well, I tell you what, at your word, because you're asking me, I'll let down the net one. And when they had done this, listen to this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Once again, there's a variation in the translations because of the Greek text. In this Greek text and translation, it says again, singular, the net was breaking. In the other ones, it says the nets, the nets were breaking. Okay. But notice, let's stick with this. Their net was breaking. So Jesus said, let all the nets out. And 
Simon said, I tell you what, at your word, I'll let down one net. <laughs> okay. And guess what? The net's breaking. So think about that. The net is breaking. The net is breaking. So what does that mean? Well, I've preached this before years ago. I don't do it this way anymore, but other people have done it too to say, man, look at Jesus, man. When he says go fishing, man, you're going to catch a big catch. In fact, this was a net breaker and we're going to see in just a minute and a boat sinker and it preaches really well. However, now put yourself in the shoes of the fisherman. As a fisherman, you don't want your nets to break. You don't want your boat to sink. You, you have pressure on that boat and the boats can begin to develop cracks in them. And then now you got to go get it repaired or get a new boat. And so what we would see as something great to preach, man, it's a net breaker. Your nets are your equipment of, with which, with which you make a living. And so breaking your equipment is not a blessing. Like it'd be like a farmer out with his tractor and man, the crop was so big, my tractor broke. Well, we're excited about the crop being so big, but the farmer is not excited that his tractor broke. And I think of this, this verse from Proverbs where it says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow. See, broken, a broken net or nets and a cracked boat because of the weight of the fish, that's sorrow to a fisherman. See? And so I'm just, I'm laying this case out because I believe that I'm seeing this in a certain way correctly, and I, I want to put this out in front of you too, and then see how it relates to us. Okay, so notice this. At your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, let down a net, they caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners, watch this, in the other boat. So you remember there were two boats? Well, the other one was their partners. We're going to find out who Simon's partners were. Simon and Andrew were brothers, and they were in partnership in this fishing, but they had some other partners that had a different boat. Now watch this. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now, why did they have to fill the boats? Well, you can't drag the fish in the net to the shore because the net's breaking. So you have to get the fish into the boat. Well, guess what? There were so many fish, it filled up one of the boats and they're signaling to their partners, come over here. Why? <laughs> Hurry, the net's breaking. Get over here so we can get all these fish in. Why? Because we're fishermen. This is what we do. We go sell the fish. This is how we make a living. And we've never had a catch like this. So notice they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they, the two boats, began to sink. Okay. Well, if your boats sink, that's not a blessing. See, that's sorrow to a fisherman, right? So that they began to sink. These boats literally started to sink. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So notice this. He's, he falls at Jesus' knees and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Now, why did he do that? Well, have you ever half obeyed God? Partially obeyed God? Like you kind of did what God said to do, but you didn't fully do it because you, you didn't have the faith that it was really going to work out. So you kind of went part way. And uh, I believe that's exactly what Simon did here. He did something, but he didn't fully go out and do everything that Jesus said. 
And then this happens. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him, uh, we're going to find out who they were, were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also, verse 10, were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So see, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and their father Zebedee were all partners in a fishing business. So it goes on to say, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. In other words, Jesus is saying, Do you see what happened here? I spoke to you. You obeyed my voice, at least to some degree. And the supernatural power of God went into operation, and you caught a great number of fish. Simon, this is what I'm calling you to come do with me, that you're going to work with me, partner with me, you remember in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. And you're going to take instructions from me. And if you will obey me, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to go into operation and cause what you do to be all the more effective. But I think it's also important for us to understand that had he let down all the nets, that likely the nets would not break. Because they were enough, the Lord was calling in nets full and not just a net full. And so he would have been able to catch more fish. If the net was breaking, that means you're losing fish while the net's breaking. See, he would not have lost the fish. See, and so this was to be an example of evangelism and catching people for the kingdom of God and bringing them into salvation. Well, how many of those does the Lord want to lose? None. And does the Lord want ministry to break down? No, he wants to strengthen the ministry, but he's training Simon and showing him, you must obey me, do exactly what I tell you to do so that we can maximize and optimize the power of the spirit in ministry to reach, in this case, fish. But he said, from now on, you'll catch men. We're going to put this same process of you listening to me, obeying me in faith, even though it doesn't look in the natural uh, like it's going to work. It's counterintuitive. You'll do it, and the power of the Spirit is what's going to actually make it work. So he said, from now on, you'll catch men. Verse 11, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. In other words, here's a big catch. You would think they would say, well, man, now that we know how to fish good, <laughs> if we can just have Jesus, we stay in fishing. No, they knew we have to follow him. They forsook all of that. Let Zebedee sell those fish, and provide for our families. We, we got to go follow the Lord. Let me bring up one extra book, uh, piece of evidence that I think is important. When I say extra book, it's outside of the Gospel of Luke. It's in the Gospel of John. In the 21st chapter of John, you'll remember that this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. Simon said, I'm going fishing. Other disciples said, we're going with you in seven former disciples or disciples went out fishing. They fished all night. They caught nothing. In the morning, Jesus was standing on the shore and he called out, do you have anything? Did you catch anything? Children, do you have any food? And they said, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And you remember they cast the net on the right side of the boat. And this time it's clear in all the text. Jesus said, cast the net, singular, on the right side of the boat. They did it and they caught a great number of fish, large fish, 153 to be exact, large fish. And in, I think about verse 11 or so, it makes this statement. 
And although there were so many fish, the net was not broken. Now, why would the Holy Spirit put that in there? I think only one reason. Because this same Simon, who was fishing, had a broken net experience. But in this other one, Jesus said, let down the nets. And he only let down a net. But in that case, Jesus said, let down a net. And when he obeyed, when, when the instruction and the obedience was congruent, then the power of God not only brought in the catch of fish, but also strengthened that net. Listen to what it says. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. In other words, naturally speaking, that net should have broken. There were so many large fish in that little net. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow. And so this is where we rightly divide the word of truth. And these are the reasons why I believe that this Greek text, that this was translated from, Jesus said nets. Simon said, I'll let down a net. I believe that is accurate. And let's not partially obey the Lord. Let's fully walk in faith and obey the Lord. Okay, we got to move quickly now. Verse 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy, this skin disease, full of leprosy, saw Jesus and fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself, show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. A couple of quick important points here. Notice the leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, you can make me clean. I know you can. But what I'm asking is, are you willing? This is where most of us are today. We know God has the power to answer our prayers, to heal us, to deliver us, to provide for us and such. We know he can. What we don't know is if he will. Is it his will? And is he willing to do it? So this leper said, Lord, if, if you will, you can make me clean. And immediately Jesus touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. I mean, you want to know how fast God answers that? I am willing, see? And for God to say that now, even to us, this should build our faith to say these promises in the Bible are true. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20. And so God is willing to answer our prayers according to his promises. And so Jesus said, now go show yourself to the priest and offer the offering as a testimony to them. Why? Because in the Old Testament, it was the priests that were given clear instructions as to how to verify if leprosy was healed. Because if it wasn't yet healed or verified, you couldn't come back into society with everybody else. But if it was healed, then you could come back into society. And so you would go and uh, have the priest check. And the, the priests have very uh, clear uh instructions in the book of Levit Leviticus. So Jesus is saying, go have the priest check. Why? That's faith. Go have them check and offer the offering that it says you're supposed to offer and let the priest sign off on this healing. This would be in a sense like saying, go to the doctor, have them check it out, have them do an x-ray, have them do a CAT scan, whatever they need to do to verify it. Why? So that you know that it's, that it's done. Verse 
Uh, verse 15, however, the report went around concerning him all the more, because uh, concerning Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into, into the wilderness and prayed. Notice, all these multitudes are coming from all over the place to hear him and to be healed by him. So he often withdrew. You would think, yeah, just keep working it, just keep ministering. No, you can't do it. He had to withdraw to be with the Father, to be refreshed, restored, renewed, revitalized, strengthened, to receive the fresh instruction from the Father so that the power of the Spirit could be present. And somebody said, well, he's the Son of God. He can just do anything. We've covered this before, but it's not true. When Jesus became a human being, he relinquished those abilities. He is God, and he has always had the power of God, omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. But when he became a human being, he relinquished those things and became confined to a human body with human strength and human intellect. And it was the Holy Spirit that was providing the rest. Like it says in uh, Luke 4, the last chapter, Luke 4, 14, and he returned uh, from the Jordan to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. See, not the power of the Son of God, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he often withdrew himself in, into the wilderness and prayed, if he needs to do it, we need to do it. Let's not fool ourselves. We need to be in prayer. We need to be with the Lord to be able to do what God has called us to do. Verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So notice these are Pharisees and teachers of the law. Verse 18, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, notice not just a man's faith, but the faith of those who brought him. When he saw their faith, he said to him, the man, the paralyzed man, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't realize Jesus was God or they didn't believe it. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, notice that. That shows right there that he, he did not retain at that point omniscience that knew everything. He perceived their thoughts. You can't perceive something you already know. You perceive something that was not known and now you're you perceive it, okay? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. So first he said, your sins are forgiven you. Now he turns around and says, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear. Let me just tell you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible doesn't say faith comes by seeing miracles. Now, seeing a miracle can reinforce what you've heard. But if all you did was see a miracle, it can make you wonder. It can make you afraid. It can make you concerned. It can make you interested. But it doesn't necessarily bring faith 
that God is going to do something for you. And so they were filled with wonder and they were all amazed and glorified God, filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax, tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose, uh, rose up and followed him. Now, of course, this Levi is Matthew who ended up writing the book of Matthew. Verse 20, uh, 29. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, why did the disciples of John, talking about John the Baptist, why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst and the wineskins will be spilled. And the uh, the wineskins will be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. End of chapter. So notice this. They asked him, why do the disciples of John the Baptist and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples are not fasting? And he said, well, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom's with them? Well, Jesus, of course, is the bridegroom that wants to marry the church, the people of God, who get saved and born again uh, at some point in the future. He said, while I'm with them, they don't need to fast. But when the bridegroom's taken away, meaning when I'm taken away from them, then they will be fasting because I'm not here to answer their questions and to uh, solve the dilemmas. But when I'm taken away, they're going to have to go into this time where they're praying and fasting and doing things that, uh, that I'm really essentially doing for them at this point. And then he said, and you don't put a, a new patch on an old garment that has a tear because that patch, unlike the old garment, that patch has not yet shrunk. And so if you sew a patch on an old garment and the patch then shrinks, it'll tear and pull away from the garment and make the whole thing worse. And he said, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. So think about this. The new wine of the Holy Spirit that's going to come and be poured out specifically in Acts chapter 2 and beyond, well, that has to be poured into born-again spirits. And so right now, their spirits are not born again. And so Jesus is saying, after I die, raised from the dead and pour out the spirit, then they will be able to be born again because I paid for their sins and they put their trust in me. Now they have new spirits and the new wine of the Holy Spirit can go in there. But right now, those dead, disconnected spirits, the Holy Spirit will not go into those dead, disconnected spirits that have been compromised by sin.
See, we need those new wineskins, new spirits, new born-again spirits for the Holy Spirit to come in. Well, it's been a great chapter. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow for chapter 6. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.